verses, some of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture. They are so fitting this morning for Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus is not dead anymore, but he's alive. Amen? Amen. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 is what we're going to read together this morning. Peter wrote these words as he got, he came through his opening sort of uh, initial greeting and he writes these powerful words, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God, this morning we're going to take one sentence here that you inspired your servant Peter to write years and years and years ago. And I'm sure as he was writing them, he thought back to his own life. He thought back to his own failures. He thought back to his own denial of Jesus Christ. He thought back to the times that he had missed it. And then he thought, but there was a moment, a time that came when Jesus, when he had hung on the cross and Peter thought all was lost, when he came back to Peter and he said, here I am. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I'm sure when Peter was penning these words, God, he was recalling to mind that scenario. And it is in that kind of vein we ask you this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit to take us into a similar place where we can look back and see our failures. We can look back and see our sins. We can look back and see our denials of Jesus Christ. And we can rightly recognize that for those things he hung on a cross and died. For those things, his lifeblood ebbed away. For those things, he suffered just, just untold amount of agony and of rejection and pain and suffering. And for those things, he bore your great wrath, God. And for us, we want to feel the same glorious breath of fresh air, truth of God, resurrection power that Jesus Christ is alive today and you God have in your great mercy made us to be born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ's resurrection. You have given us an inheritance that is imperishable. It is unfading, undefiled. It's kept in heaven for us and we are being guarded through faith by your great power God for the day that is coming when you will reveal this great salvation. Speak from us, to us this morning from your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to walk our way right through the text. So much of this, I'm sure, doesn't have to be declared to you. So my invitation to you, this is probably not new ground. This is not things you haven't heard before. This is not some brilliant insight that you have. And like, I never realized that. This is simply inviting you to be reminded this morning of the living hope that you and I have. To be able to walk out of here today and know for sure that when I've committed myself to Jesus, this is what God has done. And I will say it. And I will depend on it. And I will live my life by it. And I will forsake everything else for it. This living hope. So let's walk into it. According to his great mercy, he has caused us 
to be born again. I want you to see this morning as we walk through here, there are two pairs of words that are in parallel to each other that Peter gives us a structuring for, and we're going to use those as we walk through. I'm going to put them in different font for you so you know which ones those words are. According to his great mercy, according to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. This is the first of the, of the, of the first word of the first pair I want to bring us to. He has, he has brought to us this reality of being born again. You know me, you know I love to dig into some Greek words there. This time the Greek word there is anaganaho. Anaganaho. Uh, ganaho is the word to be born, and of course, ana is the prefix again. So he has caused us to be to be uh, to be get again, if is what the the old uh, definition of that is, but to regenerate. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can tell that Albert's not here today because I don't have a glass of water up here. Would someone mind bringing me a glass of water? I think Mitch is on it. Thank you, Mitch. Excuse me, I'm going to try my best not to cough in the microphone. That was unexpected. Anaganaho means to be born again or to be regenerated. I'm telling you, if you have any sense at all of what life is like here on this earth, if you have any sense at all of what your own life is like in your sinfulness, you know, you ought to know how desperately you need to be regenerated, how desperately you need life again to be born again. If you don't know that this morning, I would urge you to pause for a moment. I don't normally do this, but I would urge you to pause for a moment. And if you have to leave the room to do so, to spend some time just considering your own actions and your, your choices throughout life and your inability to live by God's perfect standard. Because that's what's necessary for you and I to understand that we need to be born again. We need to be regenerated. Thank you, sir. We must come to a place where we understand this is the greatest need we have. This is the biggest need you and I have, is to be regenerated. Because the opposite of regenerate is the word degenerate. Or oftentimes we don't emphasize it that way, so we call it actually a degenerate. That's us. We have not, we have not grown to more and more life. We have, we have wasted away to less and less life. It's why there's words that we're going to read a little bit later about the, the inheritance that's kept for us, the, imperish, or the imperishable, undefiling, unfading, because that goes to the opposite direction of everything that we are, right? Everything we see, everything that's us, our bodies, everything around us is wasting away. It's not getting better and better. It's falling more and more apart, isn't it? My car gets older, stops working. My house needs repair. My yard, my garden our flowers, everything, me, everything. Some of you probably are still in the wonderful, blissful years of youngness where you think this is never going to fade away, right? And it's not true. I can attest to the fact. I'm not super old yet, but I'm getting older, and my body doesn't work like it used to. I have pains I didn't used to have. There's things I used to be able to do that I can't anymore. I need to be regenerated, not so I can do those things again, but just the reality of our lives. According to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Now this phrase, this word, is littered through scripture, but I want to go back to John's opening of his gospel. I'm going to read just a couple of verses for you. As John opens his gospel, he says that the light, the true light came into the world 
but the world, even though it was made through him, did not recognize him or did not receive him. But then he says these words. He says, but to all, this is John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, let me just read that again since I kind of paused there, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. Just a couple of chapters later in John's gospel, Jesus has an interaction with a man named Nicodemus. And as you well know these words, Jesus said them to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Once again, it is so vitally important for us, brothers and sisters, to pause and give, give, give length of time to understand. Unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. It, it won't happen. And according to God's great mercy, he has given us the ability, he has caused us to be reborn, to be regenerated, to be anaganeho, ganaho, if I get that said correct. But he goes on because Peter's not done yet. We're going to set up that first parallel here. He says, God has caused us to be, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, I'm giving you the clues of the words I want you to match together by the font I'm using. This time the word is the word resurrection. How can God tell us that we are born again, that we can be regenerated, that we can be born not of the will of man or the will of flesh, but of, the, of God's will? How can God tell us that? He can tell us that because Jesus Christ was resurrected. The word resurrection is the word anastasis, which means to stand up again. Jesus laid down, he laid down his life, he died, and he was brought back up. He stood back up again. Literally, the word for resurrection is to stand up again after you've laid down, after you've died. God can look at and can tell us, we can receive these words this morning, that we, through God's great mercy, are born again, are regenerated, are anaganaho, simply because Jesus Christ was brought back to life. That's the mechanism. That's the, that's the gate through which we can look at each other and say, you and I can be born again. You and I, by God's great mercy, have been born again. We are regenerated. We can, we can stop this, this degeneration that's happening, and we can be regenerated. There can be newness of life inside of us. There can be a difference inside of us. We don't have to respond the way our flesh used to because it was in serving and doing out of its dead works, works that bring death to those around them and death to ourselves. But we are regenerated. This is a thing that's already here now. The gospel of Jesus Christ has its effect immediately. This is not some future thing down the road. We are regenerated to, to think and act and, and speak and behave differently than the degenerate flesh that we used to be. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you already know this, but I'm reminding you that everything we believe hangs upon the day that is today that we celebrate. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the rebirth of Jesus Christ, the bringing back from the dead of Jesus Christ. Everything, every hope you and I have is a living hope because of Jesus' resurrection. Every, every chance, any, any, any blip of, of, of a chance that you have to be born again 
hangs upon the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Paul goes into depth in this, and I'm going to just read a couple of verses for you from Romans, but I'm going to, first ones I'm not going to put on the screen there, but I'm going to just read them for you. As Paul is entering in this deep discussion of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ after his death, in chapter 4, he starts talking about Abraham because he was speaking to Jewish people, and they would have known all about Abraham, and he helps them to see that, excuse me, Abraham was counted righteous because he believed God. But then he says this in, Abraham, in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 23, the words it was counted to him, as he just applied it to Abraham, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I want you to, again... Be willing to pause for a moment, not think about the lunch that's coming up, not think about the plans you have for later today, not even if I can ask this of you to think about the beautiful weather outside and what all you can do this afternoon. I want you to see the truth of the gospel contained in just these verses I read to you. Jesus, our Lord, was delivered up for our trespasses. That's referring to him going to the cross. He was delivered up for our trespasses and he was raised, resurrected for our justification to make us able to stand before God fully justified. And to us who believe, it will be counted to us as well. That's Paul's point. But he goes on to say this because I want to track it through. I want us to see how this follows through. He goes on to say this in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Again, when, the, when the, the, the early apostles in the book of Acts, when they began to go around and spread the gospel and preach to people, they camped heavily on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you could tell me and be correct in telling me that partly that was because there was an awareness of his crucifixion because those people had lived through that. But even as they traveled to distant lands, and they may not have been as aware of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, they mentioned that he went to the cross for us, that we were reconciled through his death, but much more so because of the effect it is to have in our lives as we live today. Much more so, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Going to the next chapter of Romans, Paul would write this then, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. This is the next step for those who believe, by the way. And if you've been baptized, this is exactly what you should have been understanding that you were, was, was happening. We were buried, therefore, with Jesus, with him, by baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And he goes on to say, because he reveals that there was a third part of the triune God that was active in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just a couple chapters later, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This, friends, this is, this is again, we are, we, we're trying to pack so much in because in one Sunday morning, we are faced or, or we are dealing with everything that is the backbone of our faith. Everything hangs upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. We were reconciled with God through his death. The blood was shed. But the proof, the power, 
The life that came to us out of that was come, has come out of his resurrection, his bringing brought back to life. That is why God, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again, to be regenerated into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, he goes on to say, we're going to move to the second pair of words, because he goes on to say that we have, uh, have a living hope. We've, been, we've, been, uh, uh, we've been, uh, been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That living hope, we've been brought to an inheritance, and I mentioned these words already, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And it's kept in heaven for you. Now, immediately we begin to see the now, not yet part of the gospel that you hear me talk about so often, right? The yes, but not quite yet part of the gospel. Because I've told you all these things and nothing I've told you by, my, by the best of my ability, nothing I've told you has been incorrect. The power of God to have you die to yourself, to be buried with Christ through baptism, to be brought back to life again and have the newness of life, have the Holy Spirit dwell in you, have be regenerated within your innermost being and live a different life, all that is true. But the living hope we have goes beyond even just that. I'll tell you why at the very end, or we'll, we'll reveal a verse that, that tells us why at the very end, I guess. But, but Peter goes on to say that there is still something that is waiting for us. Because an inheritance is something you get at the end, right? So there's something we haven't gotten yet. There's something we haven't received yet. There's some place we haven't been yet. The reality is, and you all know this already because it's, 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 it's so obvious. The reality is, though we are regenerated inside of us, we still live with all kinds of death around us. We still struggle because our flesh is still here, right? It's still in these containers that are still wasting away. Paul would write those words in his second letter to the Corinthians. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Right? We're still living with all kinds of stuff falling apart around us. And we're still living with the reality that we don't always get everything right, which means we hurt each other relationally. Our relationships die. There's pain. There's a need for forgiveness. There's, a, there's, a, there's opportunities for bitterness to creep in if there's no forgiveness. So G Peter says that when we are regenerated, we have this living hope, and there's something that is being kept in store for us. And again, those words that I would normally spend a lot of time in, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, but it's, excuse me, actually the next word that I really want to highlight because it's the parallel I want to set up. I think it's important for us to see it this morning. Little word there, right? It's kept in heaven. That Greek word kept is the word tereho. Tereho, as you might understand or might not be difficult to understand, means to watch something or to guard something or to keep an eye on. Somewhere, brothers and sisters, somewhere there is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Somewhere that's being kept. There's an eye being kept on it for you. You don't see it yet. It's not there yet, but somewhere it's there and it's being kept there for you. It's being watched for you. And you probably know some people who are there being kept by God, don't you? But it's so important for us because the words living hope, they go so much more deeper, they're farther beyond just the regeneration inside of us now to realize that someday, friends, what we experience around us is not going to be like that anymore. All the old shall pass away. Not just our death to ourselves here, but all the old shall pass away. And behold, the new will come. God is making all things new, he says. For though God has provided so great a salvation and regeneration for us, we are not yet in Eden, are we? 
It's being kept. It's being kept. Now, I'm going to move right on to give you the second word of that, of that pair because it's being kept for us who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. The parallel word is the word guarded. And then the reason those are parallel words is because I want you to see what just happened. Kept, tereho, to being watched. There's an eye being kept on an inheritance there in heaven. And we here are being guarded. It's not the exact same word, but it's the same theme. Fruereho means to be a watcher in advance, to mount a guard. We are being guarded. We're being watched over. There's a watcher over us while we are here. So do you see the parallel? There's, a, there's an inheritance kept in heaven, guarded and watched over by God there. But when we're here, it's not like we're left alone either. We are guarded here by God. That's exactly what he says, right? Read it again. He says, we have been given an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven, in heaven for you, those of us who are guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. That revelation is still coming, isn't it? That revealing, salvation has come through Jesus now, but salvation is really going to come someday when Christ returns. Isn't it weird how you can say both of those and they're both true? But it really is true. By faith we receive it. Salvation has come now. It's available to you now. You can be born again now. But salvation is also still coming. True salvation. Real salvation. When Jesus appears. I'm going to take you to another set of words that Jesus said. And these words kept coming to my mind, and at first I wasn't really sure how they tied in or why they were part of this message. Because I like when the verses I put up have a really strong, clear connection that we can just look at it and see these words connect to the things. But I was thinking about this concept that our inheritance is being watched up in heaven by God, and we, by God's power, are being guarded and kept here on earth. And Jesus' words in the Gospel of John again, this is uh, John 5, 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him, sorry, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Now, you know, sometimes I do things like this. I don't always, but I, I, I like to do sometimes so you see that I, that I walk through preparing for messages and I don't always get everything right and I can't claim to have all kinds of great knowledge. But here's an instance, so I give you just a moment of, of honesty with you this morning. Here's an instance where this verse, I wrote it down in my notebook. It kept coming back. I actually put it in my keynote here, so it's, in, in the, it's part of the message. And I still was like, every time I'd come back through it as I'm rolling through in my head what the Lord wants to say to us this morning, I thought, I'm not sure why this verse fits here where I have it. Because I want to emphasize that God is guarding us, that God is keeping us, that God's power is sustaining us. And I thought, surely there's some verse. I kept looking, and surely there's some verse who's going to use those kinds of words to make it clear. And there probably are verses that say that, by the way. But it hit me as I was praying at the, towards the end of the week, and I was hearing Jesus' words, and it hit me that there is an implied, understated truth reality in Jesus' words. Look at what he says. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me, or believes him who sent me, that person has eternal life. In other words, 
That transaction of hearing and believing on our part. It's like Jesus is saying, I don't have to bring some great convincing truth to you about how powerful God is, because that's not even a question. It's not even a question of what God can do. All of it lies on your side of the thing. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, you have eternal life. You won't lose it. God will keep that for you. It's what enables us to say that we believe, we're sure in what we believe, and we're sure that what we've committed to God, he will be able to keep until that day. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me, or believes him who sent me, has eternal life. But let me show us one other thing, because I think that line of thought brought me to where I think we need to end today. I'm going to go back and put this verse back up, or this part of the verse back up, because that's the key where I want to stay. But if you think back, let me just read to you again Peter's words that I've, you've been hearing all morning. And as we think back through that, I want you to make a note of the things that God is doing and the things that we are doing. Okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the sentence we wrestled with all morning. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now what is God doing in this and what are we doing? As you begin to walk through this and begin to reassess and look at those words, and even those parallel, the, the two pairs of words I brought to us, you begin to see that this is all about God, isn't it? It's God's great mercy. It's God who's regenerating us. It's God who's giving us a living hope. It's God who brought Jesus back from the dead. It's God who's giving us an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and fading. It's God who's keeping in heaven for us. It's God who's guarding us ready for that time, and it's God who's going to reveal that when the time comes. This story is about God. Resurrection is about God, about Jesus, about what God is doing for mankind. We would do well to spend a lot more time taking our attention off of ourselves and putting it on God. We would do really well in making a concerted effort in our daily lives to make sure I mean, we're not going to set up ratios here, but make sure that the majority of our own focus and our thoughts and our, our mind and our eyes and, and the things we're consumed with are about God and not about us. For after all, it is His creation. We are His creation, right? Created by Him for good works which He's prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them, right? We belong to Him. We've been redeemed by Him. It's God who's done all these things. Now, there is one little piece in this text this morning that is for us. When I say little, it's short and little in here, but it's what everything hangs on for us, for our own story. Not for God's story, but for our story. We have an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us, those of us who by God's power are being guarded for his salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When I read it that time, I left out two words. I don't know if you caught that. But we are being guarded, what are the next two words after that? Through faith. Faith is the word that's for you and I this morning. Everything that we read and all the glorious truth that is presented here that is true about God's regenerating work through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power in keeping 
the inheritance in heaven and us, those of us who are waiting for that revelation of salvation to come, his power to keep, all of those things are true. Did you hear that this morning? All of those things are true. Doesn't matter whether you believe it, don't believe it. Doesn't matter whether, whether you're gonna say yes, no, amen, nothing, sit there, be excited, not be excited. Doesn't matter, all of that is true. The hinge point for you and I this morning is this word faith. Because all of these become true for us when we put our faith in it, when we believe. When we believe this to be God's word. We believe this to be the truth of what Jesus has done, what God is doing what the Holy Spirit does in us in regenerating us by faith. Peter would write these, sorry, Peter. Paul would write these powerful words when he wrote to the Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, even here in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith. This morning, friends, all the, wonderful, all the wonderful things I can offer to you about God's salvation, his regenerative work, about the inheritance that's in heaven kept for, there for you, and, and the guarding power of God, the keeping power of God for eternal life, all those wonderful things, <clears throat> all those things only are there for you as a living hope when your faith is in Jesus, when your faith is in the one who sent Jesus. It's an, a perfect opportunity Easter always is, but every Sunday, every day is. But this morning, since I have your attention and you're sitting here listening, most likely, it is a perfect opportunity to make sure that you understand that and that your faith is in Christ. Everything else is handled by God. Everything else is handled by God. What is asked of you is your faith in Jesus Christ. For you to believe that Jesus is the one that God sent. That when God sent him, he did exactly what God said he was going to do through the Messiah to provide the things we just talked about. I think it's important enough if you have not ever said those words and you believe that this morning, I think it's important enough to stop my message and give you a chance to say it. Nothing else matters. God, we want to treat our profession of faith is the most important thing because we recognize that our eternal destiny hinges on what we've done with Jesus. Not what we bring to the table. We did not cause us to be born again. We could never do that. We did not, put about, we did not bring about some inheritance. We're not going to be able to bring about some inheritance that's going to be undefiled and imperishable, unfading. We're not going to be able to keep it. I'm not going to be able to hang on. We can't, we can't even hang on to what we have here in our own flesh, much less make it better. All that is resting on you, God. So our role this morning is to look at you and to say, I believe. I put my faith in you, Jesus. You are my only hope. I ask for the blood of Jesus to be applied to my sins. By faith, I believe that I am forgiven I am reconciled to you, God, through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I'm justified before you, God. I'm right before you, God, because of his resurrection. I believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, that he's alive, that he's waiting and someday he will come back. And when he does, I will answer to him. I believe that this morning, God. Again, 
your eyes are bowed this morning, your eyes are closed this morning, your heads are bowed this morning, if I get that right. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, whoever you are here this morning, every single heart, every single ear that's hearing this morning, this is the tantamount confession that needs to come out of your mouth if you are to be saved. And I encourage you, if you did not do it when I was praying, that you would do it now. One thing is clear, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when you were brought back out of that grave and brought back to life, you have been given the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you are supreme, and you will reign supreme, and you are at your Father's side until he puts all enemies under your feet, including death, the very last one. And so our response or our, our initiative this morning is to respond to you, King of the universe, Jesus Christ, and we pray in your name, amen. When Paul wrote his letter to the Colossians, he made that point very boldly about who Jesus was and about that all the fullness of God dwelt in him and that God reconciled all things to him. And then he said these words. He said, you are also reconciled, though you were dead in the works of your flesh, you were also reconciled. But then he says this in, in Colossians 1, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. This is how I can tell you there's a both now and a not yet. Because we just talked about salvation. It was there in the beginning of, of Peter's opening words. We've been born again through a, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a living hope. But that inheritance that's being kept in heaven is still being kept in heaven. We're not there yet. So if we will continue in the faith, that which has been started this morning, hopefully not for the first time, but if it was for the first time, praise God. Hopefully for the hundredth time or the thousandth time, for, those of us, for some of us. But if we continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, and not shift from the hope, there's that word, the hope of the gospel that you've heard, then we will see our salvation revealed to us when Christ returns. Now, I told you this now, not yet, is being set up. Paul actually explicitly dealt with it. He said, if we're going to talk about a hope that you have, I want you to see that when you have a hope, it's not something that you already are seeing. Otherwise, it's not a hope. I'll just let him say it. Romans 8, 24. For in this we hope, sorry, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Please, please, please understand the saving work of Jesus Christ and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in you has an effect now and it ought to. There ought to be fruit that comes out of your life. Please understand that. But also, please understand that we continue to look around and see we are not home yet. We are not there yet. The hope that we carry is not something that's right in front of us. We don't hope for things like that. That's not even hope at all. But we hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it with patience. And here is what our great hope is. I'm going to go to the book of Hebrews. As he's making the point about Jesus, and he made one sacrifice. He was the great high priest. He was the fitting high priest. He lives forever to intercede for us. He says this in Hebrews chapter uh, 9, I think it is, 928. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, listen, listen, faithful friends. He was offered once to bear the sins of many. He will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. 
Jesus Christ is coming again. He came the first time and he took our punishment. He made it so we can be regenerated, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But he also provides for us an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. Those of us who are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's waiting. That's waiting. It's ready to be revealed at the last time. It is for these reasons, brothers and sisters, that you and I have a living hope this morning. And I pray with all that I have this morning, I pray that that living hope is active inside of you. That it affects your output and outlook on life. It affects how you treat other people, the grace with which you give other people. It affects whether you become angry or not angry. It affects whether you become despondent or discouraged or not. It affects whether you fly off the handle, whether you, whether you speak ill of people, whether you uh, are critical of people, whether you make fun of people, whether you talk behind people's back, whether you take advantage of the positions you have in business, whether you are lazy because you don't want to do what you want to do, whether you are, are giving everything you have and running as fast as you can so you don't have to pay attention to anything. Every one of those spectrums that this living hope affects who we are and what we do. We do have a living hope. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this living hope that you brought about because you were willing to come and die in our stead, in our behalf. Thank you, God, that you brought him back out of the grave. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that as you were involved in raising Jesus, so you also now want to dwell in us and want to raise us up to a newness of life that we can walk rightly before God when we listen to you, when we are yielded to you, when we continue to say no to ourselves and die to our flesh, that your fruit, Holy Spirit, may come out of us, love and joy and peace and patience, goodness and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May those things be in evidence and abounding more so as the time goes on. And may we wait with patience and steadfastness and endurance with our, with our eye on the prize that the joy set before us, just like you, Jesus, for the joy set before us, we look past life on this earth that is, that is crumbling and wasting away, that is full of disappointments and heartaches, that is full of death and full of all kinds of, of evil things. We look past that for the joy that's set before us and we endure that cross. We scorn its shame so that we also can sit beside you someday, Jesus. We are nowhere even in that coming close to who you are, Jesus. So we magnify you. We lift you up. We declare that you are our captain of salvation and of righteousness and of holiness. We follow after you. May this living hope permeate all that we have in us. May it be, as you have said in your word, Jesus, when we come to you, may it be to us the thing that gives us uh, water that we thirst no more. May be also be through us that it flow out of us streams of living water to those around us. It is all you. It is your Holy Spirit. It is you, Father God, that we come to in worship. We believe someday when Jesus Christ comes and he revealed, is revealed and salvation is, is finally at last fully and fully finished, fully and finally finished, we believe that we will be gathered around your throne and declaring the praises of you for you are worthy. To you belong all honor, glory, power, and might. For you have redeemed mankind. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.